Hello and welcome to Dungeon Nerd, a podcast dedicated to discussing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. Let's do this. So Josh, we've been talking a lot about um, magical worlds and our world that is currently very heavily magic-based that we are kind of creating right now. Mm-hmm. And for the Lukewarm Open last week, we did um, we kind of just talked about magic, how we like to run magic, high settings versus low magic settings, things like mm-hmm. that, um, and how they kind of fit and relate into D&D. And I wanted to continue to do that. Uh, my original idea for last week was to kind of talk about like a magical, like make like a magical NPC, things like that. But I think I want to go a little bit different. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to kind of why off a little bit more on the magic subject and kind of the basics of magic. And I kind of want to talk about how magic works in a lot of different worlds. Cause, um, and like, what are some of your favorites? Cause I don't really, I don't have a lot of knowledge or background on how other, you know, fantasy writers or world builders kind of have magic systems like how they work or i've never really sat and thought about it so um what are some of your favorite ways that magic systems work in like fantasy worlds or even D D or anything like that okay well my favorite magic system is uh in name of the wind um I'm, they have them it's nah, called it's good never read it <laughs> oh it's very good um it's called sympathy so it it kind of you can you can lock two items together and then if you ma- uh, manipulate one it manipulates the other but based so on you how cl- can tether them together yeah so based on how close or different the two items are it is harder or easier to move so say you do a branch and a steel beam those aren't super alike, but they might be the same shape. So there's just some similarities, some not. But the problem is when you try to lift the stick, it'll feel like you're lifting both the stick and the uh, the steel bar. Interesting. And do they? And have, so like, you move them he, both. Does he write like about how it works? Like, does he go into like the concepts of it, or is it still very much like a? It's magic. Ooh. No, it is, <laughs> like, it is. It is. Hey, this is how it works. And then even the main character is making magic items using manipulating these properties, which we all have already understood because he tells us what they are. And the main character can literally make magic items. And it's like, I see how that works. Like going through the logic of how sympathy works the doing these different things to kind of get these other benefits it makes sense making these magic items interesting interesting that's I, why i like I it the most i've never like i've never sat down in i mean in my like in my world in my current D world or just in my current setting that i do a lot of work in i i've never really sat and thought about how magic works like it's often i think like a a really common thing to just be like "Ooh, it's magic you don't understand you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> it just works because magic you know um and i'm just wondering what do you think like makes a magic system interesting like what makes it fun to learn about or what makes it i fun used to, to think only hard magic systems were fun but then i watched a video in defense of soft magic systems by um hello future me and i really explain have explain a- the difference between hard and soft magic systems 
hard and soft magic systems. Hard, a hard magic system is like the one I just described to you, where there's hard and fast rules, and the readers know those hard and fast rules. So anything that is done with that magic should be able to be understood before it happens by the readers. Got it. A soft magic systems like Lord of the Rings, we don't quite know how all of it works. And you kind of just have to take you have to understand that, oh, sometimes the magic will do something that you've no you didn't know it could do until it happened. Does this does hard versus soft, do they relate in terms of knowledge that the author knows or knowledge that the like the people in the world knows or both? Um, it mostly relies on what the uh, so okay even. yeah what uh, I soft magic systems are they never flesh it out so neither does the even even yeah. the writer doesn't fully know every aspect of soft magic because that's what they're going for right right like a hard magic system is also like Full Metal Alchemist yeah like the, I, it's I equivalent exchange it makes sense. It's you have to have an equal amount of stuff to go in to come out of it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, can can a hard magic system be incredibly complex and have a lot to understand and learn about? A soft magic? Yeah, a soft magic system can have a lot of things that are known about it. It's just the rules of it have to be purposely vague. Like, you could know 30 spells or a 1,000 spells that can be cast in a soft magic system, but the idea that the base reason of why you can cast those is hidden makes it a soft magic system. Got it. Okay, so then you like hard magic systems more than soft magic systems. I used to. I watched a video by Hello Future Me called In Defense of Soft Magic Systems, and he showed me the brilliance and beauty that is a soft magic system. And so now I like them both. I think they both have their own different uses, and they're both really fun. What do you think? What do you think some of the benefits of a soft magic system are? Because soft magic is mostly what I use, just because it's. I would. I guess I wouldn't say easier, but it's it's like seemingly easier to create. Yes, I would say I would say uh, ease ease is definitely a a benefit of soft magic system. Now, I will say it there is definitely things that are hard about a soft magic system, like trying to to make something happen and make it not like trying to make something happen, but not making it feel like it's a kind of a deus ex machina where all of a sudden this thing just all of a sudden shows up and saves everything does that make sense it's also yeah i think it's also important to to note too like a soft magic system doesn't necessarily not have any rules to the magical system oh no it 100 <laughs> percent still has rules yeah yeah right, i agree with that right so i think i think that can be a place that people get really confused on too is you can have rules within a soft magic system it's just that the all of magic isn't understood and can do yeah. things that people don't understand or have, you know, like a, you know, oh, it's just magic and that's why that worked, you know, mm -hmm. like, or that's why that didn't like, work. Cause Life is magic, Strange, so. one of my favorite games, Life is Strange, They their magic system is simply people suddenly have powers 
And so the the main character is one of the ones who gains powers and nobody you don't know who everybody else is. But as they create more in games, we're finding out the other people who got magic. Um, the magic that the main character in the first game has is they can go back about like 15 seconds in time. And so that's what the game goes through for a long time is we can only go back 15 seconds. So you can kind of just undo decisions. You still have to make a decision ultimately because you after 15 seconds, you can't go back and redo it. But and then partway through the game, suddenly you realize if you look at a photo, you can go back in time to that photo and stay there for a few seconds or a few minutes. So, so it cool. slowly grows so cool. your power, but it never feels like it's going like it's completely breaking. It feels like, oh, that's just something we didn't know until now. It never feels unfair. I think I don't know. I think one of my favorite parts about a soft magic system, which I guess, though, you can do this in a hard magic system, too. But um, I really like the. um the idea of studying the unknown within a soft magic system. You can mm-hmm. still do that, obviously, in a hard magic system, right? But um, it's just, it's really fun to not have it, <laughs> even you not have it fully known, and especially in the case of D&D, and kind of like explore that as a group together. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of part of like the prop, the, the, one of the, the things that I have to deal with in uh life is strange at least the first game is the unknown consequences of using this power and because it's a soft magic system they don't need to go into real detail on why this is happening and how directly it is caused by the by the ability you just know that it is and you don't have to flesh that out right right what do you what do you think are some fun like ways magic comes about in a world i know like um you know there's plenty of like really basic examples of like oh the gods created magic and you know gave it to humans as a gift you know i love the idea of it of it showing up somehow like one of my favorite ideas that i've always wanted to do is have like some sort of god die on the planet and like the release uh the kind of energy from a god and that becomes the magic of the world. What are your thoughts? I know um, this kind of jogged my memory a little bit of... Um, I, I can't remember what system it was, but where like technology itself was magic, which I thought was a very interesting concept. What do you think about something like that? I mean, there's a few things where that's kind of the story they went with. Um. I mean, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting idea that that uh, instead of having to pick between a like, tech or magic world, make magic the tech of the world. Right, right, which is really interesting. I also, um, I think the two. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of torn because I think I think it's super interesting and I, and I like the idea, but I'm kind of like torn between, um, like if you're able to make a lot of interesting tech with magic like mm-hmm. i don't know to me it just like partially defeats the purpose of magic and not in like a not in like a 
you know, like you make like a cool carriage that floats or an airship or something like that with like a magical crystal. But like in the terms of like, I can throw a grenade that's that explodes because I put magic juice in it, you know, like to me, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like. I don't know. There's there's definitely places for it, and I do like the concept. It's just I don't know. I like I think I like the more traditional like, you know, a wizard can shoot a fireball because he you know he knows magic. Um, yeah, and not not the you know, we we've turned magic into technology that we can all. Oh, well, that could be a fun concept too, though. Like people have turned magic into technology, so everyone can use magic. Like you know. Instead of somebody being able to cast jump, everyone can jump because we have shoes now that have jump in them and stuff like that. Yeah. So that is kind of fun, I guess. Do you think, relating it to like D&D and tabletop games, do you think players, I mean, obviously it depends a little bit, but do you think people like to learn about the magic system of worlds? Do you think, do you personally like to learn about magic systems and worlds? I think it depends. I think if... If I have been given a reason to care, um, I definitely think there are ways magic systems can draw me in, and just the fact that they exist makes me want to learn more. But I think, I, I think, I mean, I'm not saying there needs to be like some reason for it, but I think, like in terms of like a D and D game, I'm not going to derail a game and say, "Hey, I know we're all trying to do this other thing." But let's screw that and go over to this library and just learn about how magic works in the world. Like, if it came up naturally and we could just ask questions to somebody who knows so much that we and we felt like we didn't understand anything for a long time, then sure. Yeah, I'll ask about it. But if it's like I got to go way out of the party's way to force us to learn about this and it doesn't feel like that's where the story's going, I'm not going to. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's kind of you need like some sort of incentive, not incentive, but a reason to learn about the magic system. Because I know a lot of groups don't like to learn about things like history or magic or, you know, how magic works. Like a lot of groups just want to, you know, go, you know, or not even I wouldn't I wouldn't even categorize it as whole groups. Sometimes there's like a few members in the group that just really don't want to do that. And so the rest of the group's like, yeah, let's we don't have to do that. That's not that important to us. Yeah, and that's totally justifiable. I just, I don't know, I, the reason I kind of brought up this um, subject a little bit, instead of going with, like, let's create a fun, you know, wizard professor, mm-hmm. um, which I think we still might do, because that might be fun, but um, I just, I don't know, I like, I love, I think in real life, too, I really love, like, history and science and how, you know, things work in the world and how things have, you know, transpired in the past mm-hmm. and how we can observe those things. And I think it's something that like a lot of people leave out when it comes to magic in worlds where like, it's just, you're the easy just to go, it's magic. So it works, you know, like, <laughs> so I don't know. Like I just thought in my, I, and I'm thinking about my own world and like, yeah, I have like a few things here and there about how magic exists and like the history of how magic came to be, but I don't really have a lot of like how magic works. Like how, what's like the science behind, like if you're casting a fireball, how do you like what's the process of gathering that magic and i think you know it was mm-hmm. evident in last session not that it was evident in last session but like because chris's character was doing a lot of stuff with like gathering magic and gathering energy and so just kind of like made me think of like how does that process work in at least in my fantasy world and, and in others yeah it seems like as of right now yours is a soft magic system for sure 
mine i always like to go i i'm i i just love the idea that the um wizards of the coast actually put in D D, or maybe it was from before they bought it but um the idea of the weave and every magic is pulling from this like just array of energy that goes around the world yeah i like that too i really like one of the reasons why i really like that is because i think it's really fun to and i think um in high rollers um mark does this a little bit in one of his worlds but um where like they're the magical weave like the energy that's around the world is like mm-hmm. protecting them from something on the outside and like the more you use magic and pull away from the weave like the the weaker it becomes which i know in D there's a god who like restores it but yeah um, i just think that's, that's a fun concept but i don't know i think i think i want in my world something different i think i want i think i want something a little bit different in my world when it comes to like how magic works i think like i have like certain classes and certain like um groups how they have and arrive and get their magic and how power you know extends but as a general rule i don't really know in my world (laughs) how how magic it you know like works i don't know like how you create a fireball like i don't know combining these components how does it and like the magical energy how does it become a fireball i've never really thought about that yeah but anyways i think that's it for the lukewarm open and uh, I think we're we're all good for some uh, good old-fashioned normal stuff. I, I, you told me a little bit about the topic today and said it was going to be kind of interesting, and we were talking about somebody who was really weird. I don't remember. And terrible. Exactly, but... I've learned more terrible. more things about them, and they're not a good person. Uh, <laughs> okay. They've, they've redeemed themselves, but just because... I mean, I wouldn't even say fully redeemed themselves, but they have made some amends. Um, they are a god in the forgotten realms but they were not originally a god in the forgotten realms and they are Uh called these are never good stories finder wyvenspur now this week i decided to go back to my notes from previous episodes and kind of just see what things we talked about that we never like kind of went into large detail on and i was like you know that'd be fun to go talk about that person but never actually did so i was like okay let's go back in my notes and find someone that i wanted to talk about and this person was mentioned in a few different episodes, mostly episode 28. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll research this person and see what's, see what's up. And then I found out they were God, and I'm like, okay, well, they, I definitely have to talk about this topic. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because at first, I just, oh, the story that we told about them was just them as a person defeating a God. And then I found out that they became a God, and I was like, okay, well... Now this is this is the topic. Now how did they do that? Yeah. How yes. does that how that that happen? Finder was a highly accomplished bard and noble in the nation of Cormir. It was said his music transcended his music transcended mere music. It was incredible, Boy. inspiring works with deep despair and renewed vigor. Think about just okay, let's pause there for just a second. Let's think mm-hmm. about you know how like impactful at least for me, music is like how like incredible, like even just like modern day music is. Now imagine like if magic existed and people could create music that like transcended even what we have in today's music. I mean, and that would be that'd be so awesome. <laughs> that'd be so cool. <laughs> how would that change the world? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't would. think I don't think music would be that different. You don't? No, I think what would happen is that they would 
they would use these um the kind of magics and stuff to modify music and then they would pretty much just make what we do with synthesizers and such yeah i guess but like because i I think i'm thinking of people with brains that work similarly to ours yeah but like you could use magic to bring people into like an entirely different world with your music you know like you could you could be casting you could bring back the, the dead and, and perform yeah, like, on stage with holograms oh wait oh wait yeah but we I mean, do that like, already <laughs> yeah but like there's nothing that like like in a magical system you could like literally make people experience every aspect of one and and this is me coming from somebody who like really loves um the the audiophile uh uh, experience of music because i i do love me some like really good headphones and speakers and things like that but um like yes the experience you can have today with music is incredible and you know we can even you know we like even recently we can we can start even streaming music in high definition and things like that whereas before it was very limited to like hard and physical copies of records and things like that but even then there's still so many imperfect things that i'm gonna say something i think you are you would be good friends with finder wybenspear wybenspur because that is what he wanted oh he wanted to have magic he wanted to have magic and music and he wanted to have his music last so long that even after he dies, it is it is still preserved. Because when he was alive, he created music that was so incredible. All these other bards were using it like because they loved his music. So they're like, we're going to use it as well. But each of them kind of would take it and edit it so that it was like not just exactly what uh, what Finder did. They wanted to make it their own, kind of add a little remix or a cover to it. And Finder heard these, and he was pissed. He's like, these all suck. I have such a level of perfection that I care about for my products, and you Uh take it, and you add this trash to it? I hate all of Uh you. You suck. So what he does is he wants to find a way to preserve and keep his music pure, exactly as he imagined it. So he took a powerful artifact and manipulated it, creating the Finder's Stone. He had made it so that he could use it as a tool to record and play back his music. In the end, it worked, but he was not happy with it since it didn't have any of the flair to the audio that he thought it felt. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This audio sounded flat and unalive to him. He needed something new, something to preserve his music. So he did the most rational decision and created a magical clone of himself. Of course, why you know he filled course. this clone with his memories and his music, and he named this clone Flattery Wyvenspur. Flattery, yep. Oh, but gosh. even still, <laughs> Flattery wasn't satis- wasn't satisfying to him. He hated the childlike and inexperienced imperfection, since the clone had only been alive for a little bit. Despite having the this memories, they weren't on the same level well. as Finder. This this is going to end very poorly. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've seen the movie Whiplash. No, I have not. That is the uh, drumming movie where um, 
I believe it's Michael. Yeah, it's Michael Keaton. I'm almost 100 percent sure. Um, no, no, sorry, it's not Michael Keaton. It's um, oh gosh, he he's in the Spider-Man movies. He plays um, Jameson. Oh, what's his name? Boy, my acting knowledge is my actor knowledge is very minimal. So oh, this is gonna kill me. me. I'm gonna have to look it up. <laughs> whiplash, Whiplash. This is J.K. Simmons. Oh, I don't JK even know Simmons. who that looks. I don't even know. I will. Who, I will like, send. I will post a picture in the Discord. But I'm sure, I'm sure you know I who know, he is. But so J.K. Simmons, uh, and he plays this kind of uh, rough and uh, crude um, instructor at a well-known musical college. And so this guy comes in and he's like, okay, I would like to be on your, on your jazz drumming. And he's like, yeah, sure. Go for it. Try. And the dude is close, but he never, he's not perfect. And JK Simmons character just yells at him and screams at him and just like, like you're dragging. Oh, you're going too fast. Are you going too slow? And just like is, and that's like the whole the whole sh- the whole movie and it's really good mm. it's a really good movie i think it won a f- quite a few awards um yeah i've never seen it i definitely know who this actor is though <laughs> but so this 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 is exactly what happened to flattery finder was yelling and just like get it right you're going too slow you're going too fast yeah 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 and after only uh a week Finder lashed out in anger and struck the clone. Jeez. Oh, no. After this, he continually abused his clone, pushing and pushing until Flattery couldn't take it anymore and tried to kill Finder using a ring of disintegration. What the heck? Finder's apprentice died instead, jumping in front of the way of the beam to protect Finder. Uh Uh-oh. Despite Finder trying to cover this up, what he did... And the deaths and the escape of Flattery was too much, and his reputation took a massive hit at this. Finder was brought to the trial for this by the Harpers, and the well-known wizard, Elminster, was also there to bring judgment. The Harpers were already getting scared by Finder's obsession, and this was just the proof that they needed to do something about it. The death and all that was discovered was taken very seriously. And he was sentenced to imprisonment on the border between the positive energy plane and the plane of gems in a place called the Citadel of White Exile. In doing this, they also worked to do the opposite of what Finder wanted, and they wiped his name and songs from the realms. Only a select few from the council remembered so that they can realize if, if Finder's works ever came back. Now, Finder would have remained there for seemingly forever, but a sorceress, Kasana, found details of Finder's experiment and tracked him down to the Citadel. She offered him a second chance and a return to the Forgotten Realms, but not for him, but for her own nefarious goals. And together they created another magical homunculus, this time called Alias, who we have talked about previously. She was mentioned in the episode 28. Alias was created for Kasana, but still filled with Finder's music. After she was released from Kasana's rule, she met Finder, who learned she was doing everything he hated previously, taking his music and changing it slightly. Uh Uh-oh. But in the end, he didn't hate her changes, and he learned to live with them. 
Within the next year, Flattery reemerged to try and steal the Wyvern Spur, a powerful artifact of the Wyvern Spur family. Flattery died while trying to steal this by Gioji Wyvenspur, using the artifact against him. That could be a really fun D&D character where you're like a clone of someone and mm-hmm. like you're trying to escape from them killing you because you're their clone or something like that. That could be an interesting D&D character. No. Return to the world. Finder was under trial again, watching for whether he would be returned or if he had learned his lesson. In the end, Finder had to decide to destroy the Finder Stone he made and use it to destroy Mawander, the evil deity. He dismantled the stone and used, using the para-elemental ice at its core. And in the end, he was able to slay Mawander with this. And not just Mawander's avatar, but his real body upon the abyss. When he did this, he also stole its godly essence and took it upon himself, thus granting him godhood. Now, Mawander had been oppressing the Sariel race, who episode 28 was actually on the Sariel race. With the defeat of Mawander, the Sariels were free and saw what Finder had done as incredible and began to worship him. In saving the world, the Harpers forgave him as well and returned his songs to the world. At the beckoning and request of his first priestess, Copperbloom, he began to grow his followers manifesting himself to bards across the world and sharing his vision with them, uh, growing his domain and power. He continued on like this, growing into what he is now called the Nameless Bard. And that is the story of Finder Wyvernspear Spur, or the at least as much as we need to talk about it. The Nameless Bard is... A, I like that name a lot. I think that's a really cool name. It is. <laughs> interesting and so what what are your what what do you want to create today what do you want to what are we what are we doing well last time we created gods of the desert so now we got to create gods of another area oh okay yeah and if we want it to be an ascension story that totally is would be interesting as well okay so where do we where do we want to go now so we got gods of the desert we still have you know all those other different places we have the woodland jungle things like that so we got the Goliaths, we go got the, the Tabaxi, we got the um, Leonin Panthers. Okay, you want to go? You want to go there? Want to dive into there and do some god creating action? The gift are there as well. I think that would yes, be fun. Yes, they are. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's do it. Any thoughts right off the bat that you're thinking of? Anything that you're? No. Okay, so I think um, again because it's like a reverse. A reverse way of how the gods are created. Um, I think it's important that we think about if you're in the desert trying to survive and trying to live, and you see, like, what things would you see and correlate as a god? What would turn into a god in your mind if you lived within the jungle? The jungle itself? What if it's like the things you lack? So like for the take. for so it would be like the sun because the sun is mostly blotted out in the in the jungle. And so it's harder to grow things on the jungle floor unless you like carve up a bunch of trees to kind of create a area of sunlight. I like that. What if we what if instead of the sun we did like a god of the sky? Like they just like 
the sky is mm-hmm. like something different than just the sun, you know? Because that's like a really cool. We already what have if, one, anyways, too. What if, what if there's both and they fight and kill each other? Like a god of the sky and a god of the sun, or a god uh-huh. of. And they kill each other like to take of, over. Or what if it was like the god of the sky and like a god of the clouds, or like a god of the canopy and they killed each other? Well, I don't see why a god of the canopy be, and a god of the sky would fight each other, but. I think it would, I mean, to me it would be like, um, or maybe the canopy, I mean, okay, there's so many different things you could do though, but the canopy could be like an evil god and blocks the god of the sun or the god of the sky from giving them life at the bottom of the jungle. So that could be a very interesting take or concept so you could do something like that oh the god of the canopy is preventing the god of the sun from reaching all of the people yeah right so you could do that which i think could be really cool oh good good good. could we have a god of the sun that also is a god of war and it wars against anything that blocks the sun so it it hates the god of the canopy it hates the god of the forest it hates gods of anything that blocks the sun yeah yeah, and I think like it, he's at war with what? Why do you okay? How do you think this would come about? Like, how did how did this belief start? Are they like people when they're first like you know within the jungle? I think it's a mixture. I think the people in the jungle begin to worship this god as the god of the sun, and uh, and they're worshiping it as like. Oh, thank goodness. Like, like they, they think of it in good ways. But then, like, maybe the people of the desert worship the sun god as well. And the sun god reached out to them saying, like, hey, don't create another one. I'm the god of the sun. And yeah, think, in, he, in doing so, he didn't realize that the people of the desert worshipped it as an adversary, as an enemy. So these two conflicting beliefs about the sun is a good thing and the sun is an adversary kind of created the god of sun and war. This could be interesting. Do you think, I know we have, we talked about having kind of like a small limited pantheon with like, you know, main gods within like branches of tons of sub sub gods within like the family of, you know, like the jungle family, the desert family, you know, there, there's a god of, you know, big god of all those. And then they kind of like break down into little family groups. Do you think Mm -hmm. that, um, each groups like each society within these groups they create their own gods or do they influence what the other god that like already is like for example the sun god in the desert like if the jungle believes in this sun god and the desert people believe in this sun god are they two different beings that are birthed or are they one and they begin to like mold and combine so like because people start believing in the sun god it starts changing how the sun god is like manifested I think how the different people treat or believe the God is, they are actually changed by that. There's a part of me that likes both. I like the idea of God's like shift and change over time because of the different beliefs that occur throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And so you have like, I think where we're at currently, they try to stabilize it, but I think, yes, they still can change. Well, what I think would be really fun is a few different things. I think it'd be fun to have these gods be um, 
separate. So like the jungle gods are separate from the desert gods. And the reason I'm partially leaning this way is because we have um, that world that the messenger god is trying to bring to of gods that's trying to bring here. And I think it would be interesting if all these gods were created like separate different locations, you know, from belief and from people's imaginations and ideas. And they like, there was some sort of horrific story where like the sun god murdered all the rest of the sun gods and now he's the only sun god that remains, right? And then he changes and kind of like transforms into what everybody's kind of belief of the sun god is. Does that make sense? Or somehow he exiles like maybe he prison imprisons them in this in this like you know plane of where the god like of old imagine you know gods that were imagined or brought mm-hmm. and so i think what we can do is we kind of alter the message uh like what the messenger god is doing and instead of having it be like these gods were created from like a story or from a book these gods that he's trying to bring back are the exiled gods or the ones who lost the race in like the overall godhood race. And if he brings them back... Sorry, who's trying to bring them back? Because you know how our story is like the messenger god is rebelling because Mm -hmm. he, you know, is, you know, looked upon as like poorly within the society. And he he gave the secrets to the world about how gods were formed Mm -hmm. and created. Yeah. Um, in attempts to bring back the like bring back a group of gods that are like imaginary that were created in a different universe that were like thought up of by somebody within like a story or something. And yeah. if he brought he thought that if he brought those, then he could have a higher standing within godhood society, right? And he could even potentially possibly rule over those or you know Because there would be more message. gods of more domain of same domain so they would pull the power away right so my thought is what if we altered it a little bit and the gods he's trying to bring back are the gods created by these early groups that were exiled from the godhood race so to speak in quotations so the sun god of the desert say beats the sun god of the jungle and beats the sun god of the um and it doesn't have to be war but in, in many different ways that could, could occur. And they get exiled into like a, they're not vanished because they're gods, but they're just like, they're they're gone from the world. They're just, they don't exist. They, they exist, but they don't exist in the minds of the people. What, so what if the sun like, is their prison and the well, light that, that really comes off it is the radiant energy of all of these unfulfilled gods? Well, and I think it could be fun because the messenger god, maybe he... um maybe he was like in the olden times in better standing with some of these other gods, right? So like maybe he was thought of as more powerful within a different society who created a different set of gods. And so he wants to release those gods who had previously been exiled or trapped within, you know, the sun or whatever. And if he does that, then maybe he retains his old standing with some of these gods and they can exile the, the current group that exists which I think could be really fun. Mm-hmm. And so I think I like the idea of what we're doing right now is we're creating, you know, society by society, like domain by domain of, you know, what the jungle gods look like, what the desert god looks like, mm-hmm. what, you know, what the plains gods look like, what the mountains, mountain god lo- gods look like. And 
these gods are all separate pantheons and separate entities that kind of clash, right? And, mm-hmm. well, I'm the god of the sun. Well, no, I'm the god of the sun. <laughs> you know, like, what, what do you, like, well, that's my domain. Well, that's my domain. And they end up, like, clashing, whether that's war, whether that's trickery, whether that's, um, you know, deals with other gods to, you know, trap and it's exile different gods and things like that. And it becomes this whole, like, you know, giant mess of a pantheon until the gods kind of fulfill the singular domain and start molding into the definition of everybody, like everybody's definition of what that God would be Mm -hmm. leaving only a select, you know, 10 or 15 that we were planning on having with a group of counter ones that are like exiled of like, and if they're released, they can possibly try and regain or fight back and steal back their position. Mm hmm thoughts i mean i think it's interesting um i I think i i would boil it down to back to basics a little bit so i would just say um i would have it be the gods are like the the other ones we're all kicked out we're all we're all defeated for their domain by someone else by by the one who currently resides in that position i would say they're all in the sun and have them all be over there. And the messenger god, if they free them, one, they'll be more powerful than the gods they just freed. But also, the gods they just freed will see them as, one, a kind of savior. And they gain that and power in, or something. Well, just as a savior. And instead of being looked down on like he currently is by the current pantheon, he will not be looked down upon as he'll be seen as somebody who just like brought these people up. Yeah, I think that's I think that's super fun. And I think that's a really interesting idea for why our kind of quote villain, (laughs) you know, like does what he does. And it could be an interesting, you know, dilemma for a group to deal with. So mm-hmm. cool. Well, I like that. So then continuing on the jungle group, uh, now that we just now that I just went on that giant long <laughs> tirade, um, I think the sun god is definitely I, I don't know if I want to be the sun or like the sky, because maybe it even like refers to rain too. like it's all kind of this encompassing like the things that happen above the canopy. Like it's like a amorphous. You know, like, a, a, you know, because rain, the canopy blocks the rain. The canopy blocks the sun. Well, maybe that's just, maybe they are separate gods. There's a god of the sun, god of the rain, god of the, you know, the wind. And the canopy god blocks all these things from happening and occurring within the land. Now, there's an argument, though, to be made that the canopy would be a good god then and blocks the bad stuff from happening. But I think it would probably be the opposite. What would be the opposite? Sorry, can you say that again? well i think there's an argument to be made that if we had like a god of the canopy who blocks the sky who blocks things like the rain Mm -hmm. would he be considered a a bad god or a good god because sometimes those things can be bad or would it be like a neutral thing because like sometimes the sun kills i don't think he's seen as as bad by the people storms and rain in the jungle i don't think i think he he's seen as an adversary to like the sun and rain gods but to the people he's just a god okay yeah i like that cool and what does the what does the god of the canopy do does he just like 
Is he just the life that exists within the canopy? <clears throat> like he just is. I think the it's everything and all the life. I that... think he keeps canopy alive. He protects and nurtures the animals that live in the canopy. Do you think there's a society that lives in the canopy like we do? We had like we have in the forest, and they believe like they pro- he protects them. I think some of the I'd people imagine. on the ground think that he protects them because he does. He, in the same way, he. In he's the an same adversary way he, to all those other gods. <laughs> I don't think he's an adversary to all of the gods, but I think but in yeah, the same the way that, that he talked about. Yeah, I think in the same way that he protects, um, like he blocks sunlight and rain. I think the people who are negatively affected by those things see him as a good protector. So I think the people who who prefer the kind of cover of the canopy will see him as a million percent their protector and their friend okay so we have then we have like a god of the sun a god of like the rain a god of the canopy right and these kind of are adversaries. do we have a god of the other, rain i'd imagine i want a god of the rain i think that'd be great i definitely think we should but i don't think we've made one yet well i'm making one now i definitely think there'd be a god of the rain because i think a lot of you know people would see it as something that provides life, something that provides dangers, something that provides you know that feeds the rivers, feeds the swamplands, you know. Um, so I think it would definitely exist for sure. Mm-hmm. And so I think these these three gods are are they warring or are they? Is it just like like do, do I the think people there's the tensions, but I don't as, think they're like actively at war. Okay, yeah, you just. Do they? They're just seen as adversaries of each other because they, you know, they block each other out in many different areas. Like the sun overcomes the rain eventually. The rain overcomes the sun. The canopy blocks the rain and the sun. And but mm. then if the canopy is cleared, the sun gets through and the rain gets through. And you know, so like they just exist within this sphere, and their ideal, their ideas, kind of like conflict against within each this other. ecosystem. Yes. Yeah, that's a better word. Okay, then what else do we see? So, like, now let's take it below the canopy. What stuff are we seeing below the canopy that people start believing in? I think there would be a god of animals. Do you think it would be combined with, like, a god of the wilds? Like, like a god of wilderness? Well, I don't think the people that live in the swamps think of the wilds at all. I think this is purely the god of the animals that exist in the the rainforest okay so like we have god of these animals then would we have a because we have a god of the canopy is that including vegetation or are we like doing a god of the forest floor as well well i i think there could be a god of flora and fauna for sure okay cool yeah i think so as well and do you think do you think these are peaceful entities are they what do you see them as like if you if you existed within the rainforest as like and you thought of these gods of a god of you know fauna i'm assuming it would be kind of chaotic right because wildlife (laughs) in the world is very chaotic Uh like there's tons of death there's tons of life there's you know so much that goes on within the sphere of you know fauna that yeah 
I think it would kind of be this, like, probably even adopt these concepts of life and death and suffering and pleasure even maybe. Um, I don't know. Thoughts? Well, I, I don't know if I see them as, as seen. I don't think they're seen as an adversary. I think they, I don't think they, I think it's hard to describe because I think so many people would have a different opinion of what they think. So I think it's hard to say this is an adversary because some people would see him as an adversary. Others would see them as, as like something that is so important to life that it would be an ally, if anything. Well, I think that's why I'm leaning towards like a more chaotic nature, not an adversary because like Mm -hmm. so many people have so many different opinions on, you know, what's going on within nature and you know fauna in particular like some believe that you know these animals provide us with so many different things like food and meat and you know clothing and stuff like that and others see it as you know these animals kill people like you know we've been hunted by some of these creatures we've you know um i think there would be i think it would be a very chaotic being i think the Mm -hmm. i can go with that i see that yeah, so I think cause, because it's such a, like, polarizing figure within the jungle, um, you know, you even have things like pain and suffering in there. You have, you know, like, the miracle of life, too, within that within that sphere. So I think, like, it's a pretty chaotic thing. And so I think, though, um, it'd be interesting, then, if we did, like, the god of flora, right? If we had, like, the god of flora be more of, like, a stable entity because like it's just the ever the ever progressing growth of the jungle right growth of the you know um the life of you know plants just constantly ever expanding and ever growing and i think that could be interesting and then i think with that there'd be an adversary to those two and that would be like disease right that would be like plagues and sickness um because it kills you know yeah famine fauna it kills flora right it it's rot it's disease it's you know um maybe it's even associated with like insects too maybe those are even like separated but um it's seen as the adversary to it definitely has a arachni in its domain but i think insects like you said are are another domain (laughs) yeah yeah but i think i think um like it's it's very much seen as the adversary to the chaotic nature of the fauna god, you know, the the god of fauna, and then the like ever the ever growth of you know flora because it's constantly eating away at these different you know the life forces of the jungle, and as we all know, jungle is very very prone to those type of diseases and you know infections and things like that. So yes, and I think I like the idea of a god of like insects thoughts i would say a god of pestilence and plague pests yes yeah pests i think that's a really good one i mean obviously it'd probably be a pretty adversarial god in most people's minds i'd imagine can't freddy really no freddy's it. not a no freddy pestilence really no freddy way. pestilence isn't <laughs> an adversary he's a good old friend unless some people thought of it as like their ally in certain 
cases. But even Penicillin. then, yeah, I think it would be a yeah. Do you think these? I think four oh, gods ooh, I think that's created? it. I think I think to start out, he's seen as only an adversary. But in more recent times, people have found that you can use mushrooms and fungi and things for like medicines. And people are like, wait, is he not a bad guy? And like that is actually turning the god, as you said, they can kind of change based on how people yeah. perceive them. So in recent years, he's becoming a good god. Because that could be interesting. And I think it would be really fun if he was at least in kind of this beginning times, like maybe he was close allies with like disease. Right. And that's how like fungus began to form. Cause he was like forming, um, you know, not necessarily the cure, but like he knew so much about the God of disease and the, and plagues and things like that, that, mm -hmm. um, you know, he utilized them in a lot of his own creations or in his own, you know, his own domain, I guess. And um, people started seeing him as like the cure to these. And maybe those two start hating each other. Mm. Like maybe it was once thought of as them as being best friends and, you know, allies or once thought of them as being, um, you know, you can't have one without the other type thing. Yeah. And then they grow apart in like their relationship because of these different thoughts that people have about them. Mm -hmm. now there's a question that i want to ask just in general do you think there's a god of like humanity like humanoids like of people like just in general like would that be something people think of because it is in real life but i don't know how or how early did we start thinking about sentience i know we thought of the soul so maybe there's a god of the soul but i don't know if there's a god of sentience hmm yeah, I don't know. There's always, like, gods of like, wisdom and gods of knowledge, but I don't know if there's ever gods of, like, humanoids or sentience. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it's probably just, you know, they take the... like. I mean, it would be really funny if the tabaxi had a... Um, and they had cats, and they realized there was a difference between them and cats, and they're like... What is this? Is this soul? Is this sentience? <laughs> and they began to worship that difference. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't... Probably not. I think, again, it would just take forms in, like, the god of wisdom, you know? Mm -hmm. The god of intelligence. Yeah. You know, the god of knowledge and, you know, all those kind of abstract thoughts do you think any of those would form within the desert or jungle because we didn't really make any of those did we what do you mean like we didn't really make a god of intelligence or knowledge within no we did these. not make a god of the knowledge or intelligence but we also haven't touched most of the most of the people in our world yet we only went desert and then right to here yeah no totally do there's think... plenty of time to do that but i definitely think there would be a god of knowledge i don't know if it'd be intelligence but knowledge yeah and i guess we have to um dive into what society we think would you know cherish knowledge the most and end up creating that god more mm -hmm. so than others you know 100 percent. do you see any other kind of gods that reside within the jungle like is there a god of the like water is there like 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 because the gif probably live in you know rivers and swampy areas of the rainforest 
Yeah, I definitely thought that would be a possibility. It would be interesting. It could be interesting to separate. Like, we had a god of, like, fish and, like, underwater, like, aquatic life. Like, we separated the rainforest in different, like, tiers of, you know, you have underwater, you have, you know, like, under the canopy, and then you have, like, above the canopy. And I think that could be interesting. Um, like the different societies that f- live within each individual layer had their own like thoughts of what the gods were. But I don't know. I think there would definitely be a god of like the river and, you know, it's um, life that it brings. And obviously then it would compete with the um, version that we had in the desert because that would definitely be one in the desert for certain. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, what if we just combine the rain god and the water god like as the same so i kind of want the rain god to win if we if we're like i think we should have them fight off and i think the rain god beats the water god okay okay yeah i like that because then it would be like why is there a god of rain but not of water and there was a god of water it just got defeated yeah he's he was just he was just part of the rain cycle baby <laughs> yeah they bless the rains down there <laughs> oh yeah no i like that i think that's fine i think that's super cool any other random gods you can think of um i definitely think there should be a god of the dirt like a so like a Soil, earth yeah, God. soil, soil. dirt, earth—the the kind of stuff beneath our feet. What do you think that position would look like? What do you think they would attribute to, like stability, maybe? Uh, like agriculture. Agriculture. Do you think? What do you think his like? How do you think he would manifest in terms of like personality? Because he's pretty he's not chaotic, really, personality. Right? Like I think he's the opposite traits. of chaotic. I think he's yeah, the most I, stable. Yeah, I think he's the. I would agree. I think he's like the stable. He's the foundation that holds up the whole jungle. You know. Yeah, and I don't even know if he's focused on the jungle at all. I don't either. I don't think he is, to be honest. Yeah. Do you think he doesn't like the gods of the sands? I think they're different. Think they're different. I think he he sees them as allies, as friends. I think his stability goes into peace at the same time. So he's not going to start a war. Yeah. Over something as silly as our domains are similar but different. Yeah, I think I think I mean to me he seems like he would be a very peaceful god, but I think they would have him. And this, tell me what you think about this. Um, I think it would be, he's very peaceful, but if you make him angry enough, he can be very violent, which would be something like an earthquake, right? Yeah. Where, you know, the earth shakes and trembles and destroys things. So mm-hmm. while he's very peaceful and slow to anger, if that anger builds up long enough, there can be, you know. I think people see can, him as hungry as well. Um, like when there's fissures that kind of swallow things up. Yeah, that'd be so funny. He just like, he's like a, he's just like a big old, big old sumo wrestler. (laughs) Mm. 
No, but I, I definitely see that for sure. Like he, I think these like different disasters that, you know, are attributed to, you know, the earth would definitely come into play into his, his personality. But I see him as again, a God of like stability and peace, but yeah, he is, you know, he definitely has the capacity to, you know, become enraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which could be a really fun, like, barbarian subclass or a monk subclass. Like some sort of, like, a paladin of the earth? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Barbarian subclass? I um, I don't remember if I was talking to you about this or if I was talking to somebody else, but um, there's a really interesting idea that a take on a druid that I thought was super interesting. And it was a druid who the reason they are a druid is to completely destroy all of nature. Huh? I I I thought it was a very interesting take. Like they learn and study all about the magic of the, um, you know, of nature just to destroy it for, one reason or other i don't know what that reason would be but i think it, you could definitely figure something out i think it'd be interesting they work the construction uh <laughs> yeah. they gotta learn how to they gotta learn about the things before they yeah. can destroy the things <laughs> but i think it could be really interesting i think it'd be really could be really fun i don't know how exactly you'd you know off the top of my head how i'd want to do that but i think it could be interesting and they 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 devote themselves to the study of nature and magic and how they work so that they can fight back against nature or destroy nature. It could be interesting. Anyways. Interesting. Well, I <laughs> think I'm going to call it there. This has been episode 81 of Dungeoneered. Thank you all for listening. And if you would like to uh, write to us, you can write to us at dungeoneered at hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you want to just say like, oh man, well, I loved what you created in that episode or man, you should do this topic or you should do this lukewarm open. Like we love to hear it all. Um, if you listen to us on any podcasting apps with ratings and reviews, please write a review. Let us know what you think about the show. We love to read them. And also it helps the show by showing you're engaging in more ways than just one. Anything else, Aaron? No, I think that's it for me. Well, as I always say, Always remember to be the sharpest barrel in the bunch. See you next time. Bye.